How about Trevor teaches truthfulness? We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> Sounds too positive and uplifting for me. Though. Too positive and up. Trevor talks transparently. Mm. All right, I'll keep working. <laughs> I'll keep looking. <laughs> Stop it. Welcome. Welcome to the, the Naked, Naked Apple. Apple. <laughs> yes, this time around, sorry, it's no slice of history. It's not even Knowledge Keith Canoes. It's not. We we have dropped the KKK segment. However, still, for now, Mike's Mike matters. Still. Mike's Mike matters. Hmm. <laughs> 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 I like how that just... Rolls off the tongue. Rolls off the tongue. Mike's mic matters. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This time around, we're talking about something that should go into the annals of history. And here we go on Trevor's travesty tantrum. Needs some work. It needs some work. I just came up with it. Right I, li- I like the spirit of it. Needs some work. I was trying to keep the theme. Yes, yes. I, I hear you. Like I said, I like the spirit. Needs some work. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but this tantrum, if you will. <laughs> and I will. And I will. <laughs> is uh, Joe Biden. And... Uh, for whatever reason, he is embracing the term Bidenomics, which I love that he is embracing this. Yeah, here, here, here he is uh, uh, just a couple of months ago talking about Bidenomics. And guess what? Bidenomics is working. When I took office, the pandemic was raging and our economy was reeling. Supply chains are broken. Millions of people unemployed. Hundreds of thousands of small businesses on the verge of closing after so many had already closed. Literally hundreds of thousands on the verge of closing. Today, the U.S. has the highest economic growth leading the world economies since the pandemic. The highest in the world. Uh Uh As Dick said, with this help, we created 13.4 million new jobs. More jobs in two years than any president has ever made in four, in two. And folks, it's no accident. That's Bidenomics in action. Bidenomics is about building an economy from the middle out and the bottom up, not the top down. Okay. So, that was all a lie, except for the end. It's all about the middle out, the bottom up. Ooh. Trevor tells truths. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to be working on that for a while. (laughs) (laughs) 
use a little bit of AI to help you out there. <laughs> I did not. Oh, that's a just, brilliant idea, though. Just pen and paper. Yes. Back of the napkin. Yes. Um, I might have pulled up a dictionary. Of the source? No, just a dictionary oh, that I could look up T tees, words. The T's, yeah. <laughs> Herder. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, see, part of the thing with the trickle-down economics approach is in order to create something, you need to have something. Right? You yes, can't just... generally. You can't just make a table. You have to get things to make a table. If you want to stir up an economy, create some sort of boon in economy, boom to economy, you need to have the source of that economy. So if you have wealth, you can then use that wealth for people who are less wealthy than you to get more wealth. And in turn, you also get more wealth because you're growing stuff. Uh, and this is uh, backed biblically, if you're so inclined, where Christ uh, tells his apostles that uh, there's three men that were given talents. Yes. One is given ten, one's given five, and one is given one. The one that's given ten doubles it. And he says, well done. The one that's given five doubles it. And he says, well done. The one that's given one buries it in the ground because he's afraid he'll lose it. And he says, uh, yeah, you lost it. I'm going to give it to the guy that doubled what he was given. That's <laughs> it's, it's how it works. Every time. Every time. Anyway, the September jobs report came out and uh, the Biden administration initially started doing a victory lap, but they kind of stopped doing that pretty quick. Wonder why? Because uh, the jobs report shows that payrolls grew by 336,000 jobs in September. Unemployment, however, held at 3.8%. They, they were doing a victory lap because look, <laughs> three... 336,000 jobs, that's more than we were predicting would be made. Um, yeah. Well, if you break down the, the report, um, 70,000, over 70,000 of those jobs are government jobs. How many, uh, how many IRS agents were we hiring? A lot. <laughs> Too many. Um, 151,000 of those 336 are part-time jobs. So, you know, only half. Full-time jobs went down 22,000. And uh, if someone has two part-time jobs, Biden counts that as two new jobs. So Is this that common core math that I hear so much about? Worse, but yes. It's the uh, development. It's the uh, um, 
what it evolves into, which is, you know, political Bolshevik. Um, <laughs> but that water was too heavy for even CNN <laughs> to carry. Um, fact check, Biden makes false claims about the debt and deficit in job speech. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he went on to say about how he's created so many jobs and gotten rid of the debt. Which is the exact opposite of what has actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they go through talking about what employment actually means and is, which is fantastic. <laughs> um, but uh, <clears throat> Biden tried to claim that... Uh, see, Biden's claims were thoroughly inaccurate. First, he has not cut the federal debt, which has increased by more than $5.7 trillion during his presidency so far. So far, we still have a year and a half left. $5.7 trillion. Uh, so uh, uh, after rising about $7.8 trillion during Trump's full four-year tenure. And most of that was from COVID. It is the budget deficit, the one-year difference between spending and revenues, not the national debt, the accumulation of debt of federal borrowing plus interest owed that fell by $1.7 trillion over his first two fiscal years in office. Yes, because when you stop just printing money and giving it to people, you suddenly have less debt that you're adding to your debt. <laughs> weird how that works second biden's 15 percent corporate minimum tax on certain large profitable corporate corporations did not take effect until the first day of 2023 so it could not possibly have been responsible for the deficit reduction in fiscal year 2021 and 2022 <laughs> third there is no actual surplus the federal government continues to run a budget deficit well over a trillion dollars a trillion dollars <laughs> CNN has previously debunked Biden's false claims about supposedly having cut the debt and about the new corporate minimum tax supposedly being responsible for deficit reduction in 21-22. The White House, which declined to comment on the record for this article, I wonder why, has corrected previous official transcripts when Biden has claimed that the debt fell by $1.7 acknowledging that he should have said deficit. Yeah, but he doesn't. Why? Because he's a politician a career politician who's only ever been a politician. As for Biden's vague additional claim that uh, we end up with an actual surplus, a White House official said Friday that the president was referring to how the particular law in which the new minimum tax was contained, the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, is projected to reduce the deficit. Uh-huh. But Biden did not explain this unusual at-best use of surplus, and since he has... Since he had just been talking about the overall budget picture, he certainly made it sound like he was claiming to have presided over a surplus in the overall budget. He has not done so. <laughs> uh, anyways, they were having none of it. <laughs> none of it. Um, I pulled up uh, an article from July of last year says more American workers are taking on second jobs as inflation rages. 
So that's why unemployment is staying low and job creation is looking high because Americans are getting two second jobs. jobs and they're counting it as two jobs created. Um, how about Trevor teaches truthfulness? We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> Sounds too positive and uplifting for me. Though. Too positive and up. Trevor talks transparently. Mm. All right, I'll keep working. I'll keep looking. <laughs> At the, end of the, at the end of the day, there are only so many credit cards you can load up and things you can avoid spending on before you come to the reality that maybe you have to pick up a second job, Columbia Business School professor Mark Cohen told CBS Money Watch. It's about how much, you, how much do you bring in every month? How much do you spend? If you're in a deficit position, you have to find another job or an additional job. Uh, huh. So if you're not bringing in as much every month as you're spending every month, you need to change your habits to fix that so you're bringing in more than you're spending. Seems like that needs to be applied nationally. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But apparently as the pandemic erupted in 2020, roughly 4% of employed people held multiple jobs in the U.S., Um, By June of this year, so last year, June, that figure had jumped nearly a full percentage point. Goodness. I'm sure that's only gotten better as this next year has rolled around. Although fewer people today are working multiple jobs, more Americans than ever hold two full-time jobs, amounting to more than 70 hours of work a week. In June, 426,000 people were working two full-time positions compared to 308,000 in February 2020 according to the federal labor data. Yeah. And people have less time to do things that are just for fun or to relax, which makes them feel so much better about themselves. Well, that also provides jobs for some people. There's that. I can't go on vacation because I have to work these two jobs. Hey, why are the hotels closing? I don't know. I can't. I don't. Why is nobody going to the movies? <laughs> why don't women have spa days anymore? Yeah. Spas are really struggling right now. Mm-hmm. So nobody can afford it. Yeah. Turns out you don't need to have your nails done did all the time. And you can do it at home for cheaper. You're not going out to dinner as much because, well, that $30 steak dinner can be made at home for 5 to $10. You're not going out to the theaters to watch a movie and get popcorn and drinks and all that stuff for $50 for two of you. You're going to stay home and, well, I'm already paying for Netflix, so we'll just find something on there and get something from the dollar store that's now the dollar 25 store. (laughs) 
Oh, and the bag of popcorn we got from the grocery store. Dollar yeah. twenty five is being generous. It's like five bucks and less now. Yeah, it depends on which one you go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so people are adjusting their habits, which means let's see bottom down, middle out. So people that don't have anything are now crunching down and not spreading out which means other people who are also at the middle bottom are having to crunch down and not spread out because, well, the rest of the middle and bottom is not going to the services provided by the bottom and middle. Yeah. Hmm. Which in turn actually affects the upper. upper because nobody's going to use the services that they provide. That they uh, invested in. Yeah. 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 Well, the, we can just eat the rich. Yes, yeah, when, the, when the rich is gone, then there's nothing. Unfortunately. <laughs> that, that's that's kind of how it works. That, I, I think the problem that a lot of people run into with this is, is they believe that having tears is innately evil. And it's, it's not people naturally sort themselves into tears simply uh-huh. by the life that they choose to live. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that's innately evil in a tier system is when someone tries to lock down the tiers and force everyone into certain tiers or out of certain tiers. And that is called a caste system. And that is called a caste system, which is the form of system that a socialist society relies on. Uh-huh. So exactly what most people that for whatever reason believe in socialism are fighting for is exactly what they cry out against. Uh-huh. Which is interesting yeah. to me. Yeah. The whole the whole uh thing with a caste system is it pretty much makes you have your wealthy and you have everything else. Yes. Whereas a actual free market capitalist system that isn't injected with all kinds of socialist garbage like we have now. You have your wealthy, you have your less 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 wealthy, and unfortunately, you have your poor. But however, in the United States, if you are poor, you're richer than what is it, 80% of the world? Something like that? Something like that. Because... You can still afford two to three square meals a day, roof over your head of some sort, plumbing, electricity, all that stuff. Well, I don't actually own anything. I go from house to house and and stuff. Yeah, there's people that they only get rocks and dirt and whatever scraps of wheat they can farm from their dry ground because they don't have any kind of plumbing or anything like that. (laughs) <laughs> or irrigation. <clears throat> um, yeah. Um, apparently, though, Americans are seeing through it, seeing through the uh, attempted lies. Why is every picture of Joe Biden not the same picture? 
every picture he looks like he's a different person uh, because he is a different person okay fair because <laughs> in order to get somebody to look similar enough they have to get him at such an advanced age that they just keep dying off if they only have so much money for plastic surgery that's the real reason he's not running for another term <laughs> uh, are you talking like the documentary the island or something like that yeah okay is that what it was where they're cloning something cloning like that, people yeah. and harvesting the organs or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, God, I can't believe I remember that. <laughs> so I, I was, know, right? I saw it was like, a that kid. was, that was an old one. <laughs> the, sh- the movies I used to watch with my parents late at night when I was a young child and somehow they stuck in my mind. <laughs> anyway, a poll has come out. Uh, from the Economist YouGov poll, um, Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris are not well liked by the majority of Americans. Shocker! Their unfavorability is at fifty-five point four and fifty-four percent, respectively. Fifty-seven percent of respondents also indicated they disapproved of the job the geriatric president is doing. <laughs> Love the wording. Um, Biden and Harris are not, however, the only Democrats in Washington out of favor with the American people, American public. According to the results from a September 1st to 23rd Gallup poll, 58% of Americans now hold an unfavorable view of the Democratic Party at large. That doesn't bode well for them in the next election. Oof. When asked which political party would do a better job of keeping the country prosperous, 53% of respondents say the GOP, only 39% answered Democratic. How? On national. So what s- happened to the other eight percent? Ah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And it, that is that's what in, it is. Independence. It's gotta be. Yeah. On national security, fifty-seven percent of respondents said Republicans would do a better job protecting the nation from international terrorism and military threats. Thirty-five percent said they preferred Democrats at the helm. On this question, 56% of independents went with the GOP and 30% went with Democrats. When asked which party would best handle their top problem, 44% of respondents went with Republicans and 36% went with Democrats. Wow, that's an interesting question. It's not even saying like climate change is a top problem. It's just your top problem, which party uh, would uh, uh, handle it best. It's Democrats underwater by 8%. Democrats appear to have less confidence in their party than Republicans do in theirs. 92% of Republicans said their party was best equipped to handle the most important problem. Eh. I guess I'm in that 8%. (laughs) (laughs) Only 86% of Democrats could say the same. When it came to protecting the nation, 81% of Democrat respondents said their party had what it takes versus 93% of Republicans who said the same of their own. 17% of Democrat respondents said Republicans were better equipped to protect the nation. On the flip side, only 2% of Republican respondents said Democrats could make do. This does not look good. (laughs) Gallup concluded that Americans currently see Republicans as the party better equipped regarding economic security and safety from military threats which could enhance Republicans' position in promoting their agenda in Washington in their near term. Yes, however, you have to throw in the uh, goldfish caveat 
of people have the memory of a goldfish and don't remember crap that happens to them. Um, Gallup reported Wednesday that 63% of U.S. adults are so disenchanted with both major parties that they've determined a third major party is needed. 58% of Republican respondents said so, up 13 points over last year. I'm sure that has nothing to do with why uh, Robert Kennedy announced he's running for an independent uh, presidency. It's, it's actually really interesting. I, I was listening to uh, Crowder this morning. He made a really interesting point about that, actually. <clears throat> his, his, his stance, I guess, is w- with the party system. Yes, the party system is broken, but really with the voting the way it is, because he's, he grew up in Canada, right? which is a parliamentary system. Which, so Which is trash. Yes, so so it's multiple, multiple, multiple parties, and they all, you know, work together on different things and do all kinds of different stuff and 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 make secret packs and stuff between them to get people elected and do all kinds of shady shit. Right. Um, to the point where well, it was Trudeau. Trudeau. Oh yeah, true, true, Trudeau. 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 Not Trudeau. Blackface in chief. Yes, the blackface in chief. Was elected with what was it like twenty four percent? I think he said thirty. Thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Thirty. Still. Thirty something percent of the popular vote. Still ridiculously low number mm-hmm. for for the popular vote. Um, You'd you know, almost say that he's unpopular. Yes, you could. <laughs> and and it's the same in a lot of parliamentary areas uh, and things like that with like England and different stuff like that. It's not. It, like people don't win because they have the populace. They win because they have the the right um like combination, I guess, of of uh of support. Which is is the problem with a non party system is is what Crowder was postulating. Um, but his his thing, you know, that, that that was all building up to to his reasoning behind his his uh, um, outlook on the party system is you really only have two choices: you either create a party to replace the party that you don't like, such uh-huh. as the Republicans replacing the Whigs yes. back in the day, or you fix the party from the inside. Those are the only two really viable options. Yes. And at this point, I don't think that fixing the Republican Party from the inside will work. No, because that's essentially what happened with the Tea Party. Yes. So the Tea Party tried to fix it from the inside. Well, they initially tried to replace. Mm-hmm. Realized that wasn't going to get the traction they wanted, so they decided, well, let's fix it from the inside. And the Tea Party's gone, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, I I lean much more towards the replace it with something better, um, stance myself. But I want a party <clears throat> whose platform is nothing but the Constitution of the United States. Yes, <laughs> that's it. That's all I want. Because even the Constitution Party doesn't just do that. Well, even they the Libertarian have- Party doesn't really care about the Constitution. 
Right. Like they, they, there's so many, like I, I'm in a lot of libertarian groups because the, the libertarian ideal is a lot closer than most of the other parties to what I think right. in a lot of instances. There are a lot of places I deviate from that, but there's a lot of things I agree with. As, as a general rule, I mean, there isn't any libertarian that agrees with any other libertarian ever. That's just kind of a rule in the libertarian party. Um, you are a libertarian and nobody else in the world is a libertarian. You're not a real libertarian. That's, that's exactly yeah. how it goes. Real um, libertarianism hasn't been tried. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But but that's what I, I, I personally would gravitate more towards a party focused on the Constitution because I, I think the Constitution was an inspired uh, piece of documentation. Uh, I believe that, um, you know, it wasn't perfect. It could be shored up in a lot of ways. But it was damn near perfect. It It's the only governing document that admits it is not perfect and it creates it has established within itself a way yes. to make it perfect. Yes. And, but the way to make it perfect isn't by negating, abandoning it, yeah. it or, or, or any part that's currently in it. I should say, um, because there's a lot of people that it's outdated and they want to strike off, you know, the second amendment and things like that, which no, 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 no. the, the, the Bill of Rights is one of the most glorious portions of our Constitution. There would be no Constitution without right. the Bill of Rights. Yeah. Exactly. And and so, you know, a, a party that focuses on, on that and on enforcing that and on forcing the government to adhere to that would be the... Honestly, it's the only way I can see to go forward without completely uh-huh. tearing our country apart and, and you know and rebuilding it from scratch and you know that party uh, is you know that party exists and is doing that when the Democrats Republicans and all the others start attacking it yeah because actually following the Constitution would piss off Republicans it would piss off Democrats yes and all of them would get mad because they all violated all of them all of them I mean I, and, and it's it's hard because you, you, like like uh, on our last episode, I got emotional about something that happened, and I suggested something that would violate the Constitution. Uh huh. You know, and that's that's the checks and balances are needed. <laughs> that's because why. it doesn't matter how much you love the Constitution. At some point, the emotional human is going to want yes. to violate it at some point. Which is That's why, just the way it is. Which is why the government established through the Constitution was deliberately made to work slowly. Exactly. So there was time for heads to cool and actually right. think through what they're doing. Exactly. But no, we, need, we have this thousand-page bill and you have to pass it in two minutes. Right. <laughs> but I didn't read it yet. Just pass it. Just pass it. Well, you have to sign it to, to see you what's in it. You have to pass it to see what's in it, Nancy. Yeah. yeah. And then Democrats the had queen. the gall to turn around with uh, the, the CR. This was just plopped on our desk. We didn't have time to actually read through it and <laughs> to do a vote on it. So shut up. <laughs> All of you, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Any Hooters. Forbes magazine. God bless them. <laughs> because nobody else will. Because nobody else will. And even then, he raises an eyebrow. <laughs> Fine. Uh, inflation is over. What comes next? Says Forbes. Wait. Read read that to me one, one more time. The headline. Inflation is over. What comes next? That is one big pile of shit. October 7th, 2023 is when this was published. Here is how some of the leaders of the financial establishment see the inflation situation today. While inflation has fallen a lot, it continues to be almost two percentage points higher than our target, says the president of San Francisco Federal Reserve. Although there has been some progress, inflation remains too high, president of the Cleveland Fed. I know of no theoretical framework that can tell us how much we will need to tighten long real rates to get inflation back to target in a reasonable time frame, president of the Minnesota Fed. Wrong, wrong, and uncertain, but leaning to wrong. The recent inflation data paint a very different picture. Okay, so... <clears throat> I mean, I agree, wrong, wrong, and I'm, I'm leaning wrong on that one, but only because they're painting too good of a picture. <laughs> the August figure showing a 0.1% rise month over month in the Personal Consumption Expenditure Index published last week is very revealing, or should be. This is what the headlines should have said. Inflation is over. We have met the Fed's 2% target. In fact, the data are starting to signal looming de deflation. As the rate of inflation fell in the last year, consumer spending accelerated. As the rate of inflation fell in the last year, unemployment held steady at historic lows. In other words, at least two of the standard casual theories for inflation failed to explain this episode. Excess demand is not driving price increases. Wage pressure is not driving price increases. Leading economist models have generated predictions that have turned out to be ludicrously and thankfully incorrect. Okay, hold up one second here. So so on, on, on two of these things that they have here. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, as the rate of inflation fell in the last year, consumer spending accelerated. Uh-huh. Um, uh, consumer spending accelerated because the prices of everything went up in the last year. So inflation didn't fall, it increased. Uh, You're looking at it wrong. You have to look at it positively. Uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> um, I am. <laughs> because you, you can't tell me that you can look at prices from the last year and have lower prices the previous year than you have now, which means everybody is spending more not because they're buying more, but because everything costs more. So consumer spending is on an increase because the the, the prices of things are increasing. Uh -huh. uh, as the rate of inflation fell in the last year, unemployment held steady at historic lows. Um, that's because you're counting people that have two jobs as two separate employments. Uh -huh. You dumbasses. Oh, gosh. 
We covered that in an earlier one. Uh, <laughs> Inflation is over. Three good months in a row. Three Front page headline months. in the Financial Times. The core PCE, which excludes volatile energy and food price. <laughs> really? Rose just 0.1%. So excluding what you need to Ex survive. Excluding the things that you need to survive. It's gone up just 0.1% compared so, to July. So everything that you buy that isn't food or a necessity for you to live has increased by 0.1% in a month. Inflation's over. Inflation <laughs> is over in August compared to July. Over the last three months, it has risen at an annualized rate of just 2.16%. So from month to month, it's only gone up 2.16%. <laughs> how, how again is inflation measured? It's a... Uh, Oh, year to <coughs> year to year. year. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it, uh, we annualized it. So we took the, the three-month period and made it, you know, if it were stretched out over a year, it would be, yeah. This, oh, you manipulated you know, the data to spin because, it in a positive. Because every month of the year is exactly the same, and so you can extrapolate. Uh-huh. It goes up 5% here. It only went up 1% here. So, so we, we took... So therefore, it's a 4% drop. We took the three months of the year that are usually the flattest and and used those to extrapolate our rate. <laughs> That's literally what they did. While excluding all the things you need to survive. <laughs> In fact, the trailing three-month run rate annualized has been declining steadily all year. How heavy is this bucket of water they're carrying? Because it's got to be dragging across the floor. This is a strong indication that inflation is over. If over means that the current rate has fallen back nearly to the Fed's 2% target, it's not. Uh, two questions may arise. Is it legitimate to use a shorter term run rate? No rather than the traditional 12-month year-over-year comparison. No, it's not. <laughs> is, it legitimate, is it legitimate to rely on the core PCE, which excludes food and energy, instead of the headline PCE, which includes all components? Also, no, it's not. <laughs> Justification for the shorter run rate. I'm not going to read it because it's trash. <laughs> my justification is that's the only way I could prove my point. Your Honor, I object! And why is that, Mr. Reed? Because it's devastating to my case! Overruled. Good call! <laughs> and then why core PCE is preferable over... What's the other one? Uh, Just PCE. Headline PCE. Headline yeah. PCE, yeah. yeah. Uh, why, why it's preferable? Well, the headline PCE is so volatile. Uh, yeah, because the headline stuff is directly influenced by decisions by the President of the United States and Congress. When the President of the United States says, uh, yeah, we're just going to get rid of our oil reserves, guess what happens? Oil prices go up, which means gas goes up, which means my energy costs goes up. When the President of the United States says, we're going to drill, baby, drill, 
gas prices go down, which means my energy costs go down. That's why they have to use core instead of PCE. Because huh. if you look at the fun little graph they have, you'll find that every time a stupid economic decision was made, prices went all over the place. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. So if you follow their graph for the PCE, right? Uh-huh. <clears throat> you see these spikes and dips. It's normal. That's that's how right. uh, yeah, inflation works. It goes up and down. Um, so, <clears throat> so what's your... <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> what's your what what you're you're actually looking at when you look at the the percentage is they take an average of you know you're whatever. talking about this one here right yeah 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 okay. so they, they take an average and and whatever and that's how they they pull it out so the red line is uh, PCE for all urban consumers all items <laughs> in U.S. city so, average so right. actual <clears throat> inflation yeah so actual <laughs> inflation numbers. Um, and that is from year. Why do those? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the red one is is the actual, uh, including food and and necessities. The blue one is excluding food and necessities. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So if you look at that and you and you follow the timeline of that graph, uh, really. <laughs> Actually, the red one uh, proves their point better than the blue one does currently, <laughs> currently. Um, because it's dropped well below the 2% at uh-huh. this point, but that doesn't really mean much um, because they're, they've set this, this idea that the 2% is good. 2% is awful. 2% is so bad. What if, um, what if I suggested that deflation might actually be healthy every once in a while? Yeah, so so if you if you look through that the entirety of that that chart, right? Uh-huh. It starts back in two thousand. Uh-huh. You see that huge dip right there, right? Right, right here. Can you guess what that is uh, by looking at the the dates let's there? See, so right before that's two thousand eight. Leading up to two thousand eight was all the home loans to people that couldn't afford them, and, and then, then two thousand eight happens. The two thousand eight crash, uh, and it boom tanks, and it goes into deflation yep it goes into heavy deflation as a market adjustment occurs okay 2009 you know we get a we get a bottom out at like negative 1.5 percent as prices drop across the board why did they drop across the board uh well because uh deflation oh because people couldn't afford to buy anything because they didn't have jobs yes huh exactly so the market drops out of the bottom of and they, it. Everything drops. And they didn't have jobs, not because the top wasn't trickling down. It's because the bottom and the middle yeah, deflated. Exactly. Um, so then, you know, 2009, we have a recovery. It, 2010, 2011, 2012, it spikes way back up, comes back down, spiking around there. So 2% is... It's a little higher than average. Our our average here in those years, 2012 to 2015, is around 1.5%. Ish. Ish, right? Uh-huh. And then what happens in 2015? Hmm. Do you know what happened at the end of 2015? 
Uh, is, it, is that when certain someone? That's when a certain someone came down. Came down the golden the, escalator. The golden escalator. And suddenly. And said, uh, we're not playing ball anymore. Inflation dropped to like 0%. Oh. For a year. Oh. And then uh, uh, helped get a uh, law, uh, law passed that uh, made less taxes on individuals' salaries. Yeah. And then COVID happens. So this this actually doesn't even go up through today. This is this is twenty nineteen. This is twenty nineteen. So Pre-COVID. so that one point five percent average that was that was like all of Trump's presidency. We have one point five percent average. So we had. Let's see. That was Obama's second term, one point five percent, and then Trump's first term, about the same for inflation, one point five percent. Or for, for PCE, at least. Yes. But the PCE isn't an accurate, uh, really an accurate telltale of it's inflation. Not? What? Because that's simply costs. <clears throat> it's not because when, when the economy is doing really well, the cost actually goes up. Because people have a, little a lot bit. of money. Because people have a lot, but it doesn't go. It doesn't go up unstably. It it maintains a a fairly. It, it doesn't do this up and down. 08 to 09 thing. No, it doesn't do that. 08 it to 09 something thing like this. It also doesn't thing. do that 2002 <laughs> to 2008 thing. No, 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 no. It's more. But we had a war that we had to fight. Yeah, it's it's more that like 2012 <laughs> to 2015 and then 2016-ish to about 2018. To about uh, twenty uh, March 2020 to about yeah. then. <laughs> yeah, and then and then the next the next one has a trim down from 21 to 23, which starts off with 2021 being a negative 1% PCE. I wonder why. And then suddenly... Couldn't have anything to do with uh, nobody can do anything. Then suddenly they can do things. Yep. And And then then suddenly they don't have money because for two years nobody's done anything to stir up the economy. And then suddenly uh, it just tanks again. Sure has nothing to do with the interest slapping us in the butt uh, from all the no. money that we spent in 2020, 2021. Sure has nothing to do with that. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Gasoline, it's a case in point. Gasoline prices in particular contribute the most to the increase in the headline PC in August. Over the last 10 years, the year-over-year price of gasoline measured weekly was almost 17 times more volatile than the core PCE. Yes, like I said, that's directly influenced by what the politicians say they're going to do with it. Not even the laws that they pass, just what they say they're going to do. Yeah. Influences that. Yeah, this... (laughs) This is... Yeah, and they're showing a deflation zone for the first time in history, which is incorrect. 
isn't correct. This is what I hate about numbers and statistics and, and these things with this this kind of thing is because you can literally manipulate it to say whatever the hell you want it to. Uh-huh. Like, oh, gosh. Which it's is so messed up. Which is why I like this uh, <clears throat> fantastic uh, Tiki Talkie user. Oh, Tiki Talkie. Um, we like the Tiki Talkie. Yeah. No, we don't. He, uh, he decided, you know, People like the this um, ignoramus George Calhoun that wrote that Forbes article <laughs> uh, didn't know what they were talking about, so he decided to show it for real um, by going to Costco and showing how stuff has changed. Where a jar of mayonnaise was five dollars last year, it is today ten dollars. Well, yes, but it was $5 on sale. So not on sale, it was only $7. $7. Oh. As opposed to $10. Oh. So it only increased by 25%. Oh, okay. So it's 30%. not the 7% inflation that they're telling us. No, it's like 30% This inflation. was back in January when this when this uh, was done. Um <clears throat> I keep, yeah, I keep getting told that we've got 6 or 7% inflation. you got to be kidding me. Um, inflation rates skyrocketed in 2022, reaching a peak of 9.1% in June, but lowering to 7.1% in November, according to U.S. Labor Department. However, Collins argues that prices have increased significantly, more than can be explained by inflation rates. And the video didn't load, but, uh, yeah, he just goes around Costco and, just compare stuff. Yeah, this is more expensive. This is more expensive. This whole store is more expensive <laughs> than last year by way more than 7%. But again, excluding the essentials, it's only gone up 7%. And inflation has gone down because last month it was 9%, but now it's 7%. Yeah, and, and all the... the comments on it it's price gouging and all that stuff and then no you guys don't understand how business works yeah see so when like at all so when uh here's here here's part of why your food costs so much let let me explain it to you like this the industry there's there is one industry in the world that is known to have the absolute lowest margins of all industries do you know what industry it is Fuel. No. Ah. It's restaurants. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Restaurants have the lowest margins of all industries. That's why you always have to tip. Yep. Or they ask you to tip. Yep. They run on such tight margins that literally anything can put a restaurant out of business. Yeah, which is why when you go to the fancy-pantsy restaurants that say no tipping, your food costs a lot of money. A lot of money. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you, you're fighting for the $15 an hour and all that stuff. What that's going to do is make your restaurant charge you more because they can't afford to take the hit. They can't. Every time I find myself at the uh, grocery stores, <clears throat> sorts, I kind of chuckle as I go through the self-checkout line 
because the demand for $15 minimum wage has created an environment where store owners are like, well, I don't want to deal with that. So, uh, hey, look, this computer does it for not $15. <laughs> and people will just do it themselves because, in general, people don't want to talk to other people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, like to the point where you, you think about it, like, uh, at the average, what is the average restaurant margin? Profit margin, right? It's 3 to 5%. I was going to guess about 3. It's about 3%, between 3 and 5%. So take the, the in-between of that, that's 4%, right? So if you go to a McDonald's and you get a dollar cheeseburger, right? A mm-hmm. dollar cheeseburger, 3% profit means McDonald's makes three cents off of your $1, off of your cheeseburger. $1 cheeseburger. Uh-huh. They make three cents for every dollar you spend. So and in some cases, like McDonald's, where they've locked in, in most locations, their $1 soda, mm-hmm. they're losing money they're on that. They're losing money on that. Because mm-hmm. they know you'll spend money on something else. Yes. It's called a loss leader. That's uh, Costco they, does that with their yep. chicken and their food court. Yep. Yep. So they're they're every every industry every retail industry has a has a, a uh, they they call them a loss leader. So it's it's products that they sell at a loss in order to um, generate interest uh-huh. uh, to get people in the store to get people shopping so that they'll buy other things that they make profit on. Um, so yeah, when you're when you're talking. Restaurants and retail margins, super, super, super thin. Mm-hmm. Super thin. Which is why tons of them closed during, shut down forever during COVID because they yes. had nothing. They, they, can't, they can't do anything. And yes, there are big food chains that make millions and millions of dollars, like McDonald's. But uh-huh. even McDonald's is making pennies. Three to five cents per dollar that you spend there. Uh-huh. I mean, I've gone to McDonald's and spent... 10 bucks and fed my entire family. Not anymore. Off of that. (laughs) Oh, no, I've done it recently because I'm on carnivore, so I just go order burger patties. Oh, yeah, you get the patties. So I I just get the patties, and I can get get the patties for a dollar a piece. Right. You know, I've I've fed me, my wife, and my daughter for less than 10 bucks. Right. At at Wendy's and at, at McDonald's recently. But even at $10... You're talking, they're making 30 cents on my order. Yeah. So, no, it's... 30 cents profit. Yeah, yeah, 30 cents profit. The rest of that is paying employees, paying for overhead, paying for their building, paying for all the different things. 30 cents profit. So, no, it's not price gouging. They're hardly making money. Yeah. And uh, to help point that out of why your food prices are going up, when Joe Biden comes into office and says, I'm shutting down oil in Pennsylvania, no more drilling in the Gulf, I'm closing all the drilling in Alaska, I'm dedicating this place as a national monument so no drilling can happen here at all in Arizona and Utah, 
food needs oil because the farmer needs fuel to grow his crops. The farmer needs fuel uh, for the fertilizer to be made. The fertilizer, once it's made, it has to be shipped to the farmer. That uses fuel. So, yeah. They have to up their prices on the fertilizer to make the fertilizer. They have to up their prices for shipping because they have to ship it, Mm -hmm. and that uses fuel. The farmer has to up his prices because it costs more for him to run Mm -hmm. the tractors. He and then he's also buying the fertilizer that costs more, and he's then he has to ship it out, which costs more because again, fuel has increased. Yep. And then that gets to whatever processing place to be turned into whatever food, which also has to up its prices prices because on top of all that too, the energy prices are going up because fuel is going up. Yep. So they now have to charge more because everything before them is charging more. Yep. Plus the extra they have to pay on top of that. Finally, after all these steps, it finally gets to McDonald's. Yep. And it's now $15 for a meal instead of $8 for a meal. Same. Not because of price gouging, but because Joe Biden and other political leaders have said no more oil. Same exact thing for retail. So they say that, that restaurants have the lowest profit margin because <clears throat> their average ranges from 3 to 5%, right? Mm-hmm. 3% being the low end. The low so end. the lowest 3%. Retail profit margin is 3.5%. Kind of locked in. <laughs> so you're looking at 3.5 cents for every dollar you spend at Costco. That's how much Costco makes. Which is why they have memberships, because that's where most of their money comes from. Yep. It's the memberships. Because they know that everyone's not going to go to Costco for every single food trip they need to make. Yeah. 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 And, and, and all of that is on the retail side. That's why... Um, and oh, the, the 3.5% would be after you know rebates, discounts, things like that, that retail stores run to... You know, that's their average across all their stuff, including their loss leaders and everything yes, else. Yes, yes. It comes out at 3.5%. Yeah. <clears throat> and and that is the reason why you see a lot less American-made and all that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. it's stupid expensive to make it here and it's much cheaper to have it made... Stupid cheap to have it made somewhere else. Where they don't care about how much their people are paid, if any. Yeah. <laughs> And they don't care what kind of morals and values are violated to get a product to the U.S. because they can make it for pennies on the dollar, ship it to the U.S. and sell it for $5. Yeah. And then the places here turn around and sell it for $10, not because they're trying to get 100% profit off of it, but because they're trying to get 3.5% profit off of it. Yeah. And places that try to do full American-made... Well, their American T-shirt is going to cost forty dollars versus the Walmart T-shirt that's almost the exact same, except it's going to wear out faster. Is worth ten dollars. Yeah, that's that's why. And then you add on top of that the uh, taxes, <laughs> because you decided to do manufacturing here in the U.S. versus not having to deal with the taxes overseas. 
It's a great environment. The oh, the free market is a bust. It's because it's not a free market. And it hasn't been for a long, for long, long, long time. time. <sighs> if you're trying to buy a car, you're probably like... Nobody's trying to buy a car right now. You're probably like at least 25% of Americans that have said, mm, no. Maybe not. Maybe not. The average transaction price of a new vehicle was $48,000 in July. 48000 for a new car. That's an average across all vehicles. Cars, trucks. SUVs. Because trucks cost a hell of a lot more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this, this just focuses on the new cars. Used cars are also... My car, which is a junk wagon... With a blown gasket, <laughs> has gone up in value <laughs> over the last couple of years. <laughs> it hit rock bottom. Now it's going up. It's a, it'll be a classic car before you know it. Because <laughs> people well, are, it people, will be because it's old enough that somebody could actually just go work on it themselves. It's right in that time frame. Yes, there's a lot less plastic covering everything. Um, but yeah, and people are avoiding buying the new cars and going for the used cars, which makes the used car market go up in price because there's less used cars to go around and people are willing to pay extra to get a used car for still less than a new car. That's also being getting harder and harder to find because, oh, Joe Biden said we're making sure to force everyone to go electric vehicles by this date. What <coughs> happens? Oh, all of the manufacturers say, yes, we're going to comply with something that isn't a law and make everything electric, which now, uh, which is why you had the, what is it, the Ford plant had the strike? Yeah. Uh, because the workers wanted a higher higher wage and whatever, not realizing that they really need to petition their uh, uh, employer to stop making electric cars that they're losing money on. Because nobody's buying them. Because they're novelty items. They're not mm -hmm. real functional working vehicles. It's the future. The TV was the future when it was invented. Nobody owned a TV. Until, what was it, the 60s, 70s, when it finally became a staple in yeah. houses? And the TV and that's was invented. Because they finally made it actually yeah, the useful TV was to people. Invented back in the 20s. Electric cars very well could be the future. But so long as it costs double or triple what it costs to fill up my current car that can travel 400 miles and, on a tank. And that's not just in money. That's in time. Yes. That's in time. <laughs> the thing that drives me crazy about electric vehicles, the reason I will never own one, is because I don't have the time on a road trip to park sit for three hours for three hours to recharge my vehicle to 80 percent to 80 percent in order to carry on <laughs> so i can sit here for three hours and get an 80 percent tank it's not a tank it's a battery 
Or, <laughs> or I could drive a gas vehicle, fill up in 10 minutes, and be back on the road. And travel further. And travel further. Yeah. Faster. Like I said, my car, the hunk of junk that it is, the reason why I haven't just completely abandoned it, it gets 400 miles on a tank. It's almost yeah. 30 miles to a gallon. My truck gets 680 gallon or 680, uh, almost 680 gallons, 680 <laughs> miles on a tank. Right. My tank's obviously much smaller than yours. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Much, much smaller. We're not going to go into details <laughs> about how much bigger my tank is. But uh, even still, you know, my tank filled up with discounted gas using fuel points, and it still costs almost 60 bucks to fill up. <laughs> Was a hundred and twenty dollars the last time I filled up my tank? Yeah, but to charge your car, your electric car, to go a hundred fifty to, depending on what model, two hundred fifty miles on a full charge, it's gonna cost a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars, depending on where you live. Really, it costs that much? Yeah, I thought they were supposed to be cheaper. Well, they are supposed to be cheaper if you charge it at home. But you got to pay for all the stuff to charge it at home. And if you want to charge it faster at home, so the Tesla, for example, you can charge it from a regular wall outlet. It only takes like three or four days to charge your car. (laughs) Or you can get the upgraded package, which can charge it in six, seven hours. Or you could get the third option, which is basically getting one of the park and charge, whatever Tesla chargers installed in your house where you can charge it within an hour or two to full charge from your house. That sucks energy like crazy to charge your car. And with gas prices, energy prices going up and up and up, Less cost effect. There's a guy I used to work with that had a Tesla and he sold his Tesla because just driving it was costing more day to day than it was to get a gas car. It was almost double. Wow. (laughs) I didn't know that. (laughs) And he had the uh, uh, second stage package to charge his car from home with solar panels. That was countering some of the cost. Yeah, I mean, I know my my niece had a Tesla that she uh, loved. That she had the second stage thing for hers too, but I didn't know it was costing that much. Yeah, it's. Uh, I like doubt I said, she ever tracked it though. Depending on where you live, it can cost a lot. Hmm. And then it again only goes 150, 200 miles on on a full charge. So. Yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, that's, you know, it's working. It's working, right, Joe? And guess what? Bidenomics is working. When I took office, the pandemic was raging and our economy was reeling. Yep, because it's not <laughs> a stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> In his own words.
I have, I have never known that I could dislike a person so much. <laughs> Was it enmity? Is that the enmity? Yes. Ne- negative. Uh, yes. Variation of that group of letters. I've got it. <laughs> Trevor tackles tyranny. Print it. Print it. <laughs> Send it to print. Cut that to red. This has been an episode of Trevor Tackles Tyranny. May involve screaming and yelling and glivin. <laughs> the intro and outro music for Ford is just... <laughs> can work with that. <sighs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Bidenomics. Let's remind all of your friends when they complain about whatever price-related thing. I can't... Nobody can buy a house in this market. No, I can't afford to drive to work. Groceries are so expensive. Yeah. Bidenomics. Remind them. Bidenomics. Bidenomics grows. <laughs> that's it that's that's all i have for that woot woot well like subscribe follow will he remember does he remember no of course i don't remember <laughs> what am i supposed to remember <laughs> you looked like you were trying to say something and think at the same time of redemption I tactical was not but oh. that's a good one to remember, Redemption Tactical. Go check them out. Check out their swag. They have some awesome stuff. Bulletproof. Uh, or body armor. The uh, helmets. You know, accessories. All kinds of cool stuff. I love their shirts. What was the one that I was talking about? Oh, yeah. Evil can never be dead enough. Go get one of those shirts. <laughs> Eve, what are you doing? It's dead. Yes, but I want to make sure it's dead, dead. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to see if I can swing by their place and talk to them. They live close to me. Oh, do they? Yeah. Well, they operate close to where I live, so it's part of how I found them. They they had a uh, business card in the uh, county hall <laughs> bulletin board. <laughs> so it worked <laughs> to some degree. <laughs> there you go. But yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's it. That's all we got. (gasps) Bye. He pushed the button. Not the button. Not the gumdrop button. <laughs> Showed that to my kids for the first time a while ago. And, uh, oldest daughter was... <laughs> Let's watch the green one. Yes, we will watch Shrek. <laughs> I'll happily sit and watch Shrek. <sighs> Happily sit and watch Shrek. Mm-hmm. Very, very happily. The golden age of animation. How did this happen?
Well, you see, what a man loves a woman. No, no, I know how this happened. I meant, how did this happen? <laughs> the point in the Shrek series when I realized this isn't a children's cartoon. <laughs> I'm old enough to understand these jokes now. <laughs> it was not when the donkey was sleeping with the dragon. I know. <laughs> I should have caught it earlier. <laughs> How would you describe Lord Farquaad? Well, men of his stature are in short supply. <laughs> oh, no, Shrek. There are those who think little of him. <laughs> You're just jealous. You can't measure up to man so great as him. Well, Fiona, we'll let you do the measuring when you meet him. You do the measuring of him when you meet him. <laughs> when they get to the castle. Yes. <laughs> wow. You think he's compensating for something? <laughs> fast forward. That's his castle? Yes. Shrek says he thinks he's compensating for something, which I think means... <laughs> <laughs> Easily, easily <laughs> one of one of, of Eddie Murphy's and Mike Myers' best yes. best works right there. Yes. It's fantastic. <sighs> With maybe the exception of Wayne's World for Mike Myers. And possibly possibly Austin Powers. Austin Powers is is still I do enjoy So I Married an Axe Murderer. That one's pretty good too. <laughs> Mike Myers has a lot of of really awesome ones. <laughs> right. I Eddie Murphy had... Uh, Beverly Hills Cop was pretty good. Yes. Anyway. Shall we? 